Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Hello, Renee. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm feeling really good and pretty proud of myself, actually, if I say so myself. I um, went to three yoga classes in three days, which is a lot more yoga classes than I've been in three weeks and maybe even three months. So, Oh, hot yoga or just regular temperature yoga? Um, the first two were warmer and then this last one was just regular yoga. Ooh. I need to work back up to the hot yoga. Um, I took one class a few weeks ago and felt myself like panicking. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is intense. Like it's, I hadn't done one since pre-COVID, a hot, hot, hot yoga class. So I'm like, let me let me like work back up to it and kind of yeah. refamiliarize myself. Um, but yeah, that class was intense. Oh yeah, give yourself some breaks. Um, I didn't do hot yoga. I've just been like on the treadmill, like grinding it out. But um, Happy Native American Heritage Month, as you reminded me before we started recording. <laughs> It is, and really thankful for Goodreads for pointing that out. Um, and what I'll also do because of that is uh, share the link that I saw on Goodreads for um, books to read during Native American Heritage Month. Oh, I love that. One of I one of my favorite novels actually is by a Native American author, Sherman Alexie. I had never heard of any Native American books in high school or anything until I got to college, which is crazy because, again, I'm in America, Native American. Hello. <laughs> Why have I never heard any of your stories? And it's like I just kind of got into it in college. Really, really good books. So I'm excited to see that list. Oh, I'm in desperate need of this list because unlike you, it's unfortunate that I have to admit this, but I can't – I don't know of any right off the top of my head. Um, so I'm going to be scrolling this list and making sure I can find something on Libby for my Kindle to read. Oh, nice. Yeah. Anyone who's interested, uh, The Lone Ranger and Tonto Fistfight in Heaven by Sherman Alexie. Like set of interlocking short stories. So good. Highly recommend. Ooh. Is it is it fiction? Fiction short, uh, short stories? Yeah. Fiction stories that kind of interlock. There are different characters who are all on the same reservation who kind of show up in different stories in the book. And it's just, it's really beautiful, like paints like the beautiful, like mysticism of the culture against also some of the harsher realities, um, like mm. in, in that case, like alcoholism and some other in situations, but it's just really well-written, um, it's just really beautiful. Nice. I'm glad you could share a resource. Yeah. I'm glad one of us has one. No, you have a resource. <laughs> I'm just giving a recommendation. Um, well, this is great because speaking of books to read and the, the list on Goodreads that we're going to share, um, it's book club. It's book club day. Yay. And I can't believe – I know. We've read – I'm losing count. Is this our fifth book club I book? think so yes I think so yeah and um we're we have read the light we carry overcoming in certain times 
by First Lady, or former First Lady, Michelle Obama. So to give you all a little context before we dive into the discussion here, um, this is a number one New York Times and USA Today bestseller. In an inspiring follow-up to her acclaimed memoir, Becoming, former First Lady Michelle Obama shares practical wisdom and powerful strategies for staying hopeful and balanced in today's highly uncertain world. The Light We Carry contains stories, anecdotes, and tools she has collected because she believes we can all locate and lean on a set of tools to help us better navigate change and remain steady within flux. Um, So right off the bat, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone how much um, a lot of the world, including Renee and I, have so much respect for Michelle Obama. So to me personally, it was just like an honor to read her book. Um, I've only read part of Becoming. And so this book just made me realize I need to go back and read um, her actual, her, her other memoir. Um, and then, yeah, but you, you've, you've read majority of Becoming too? Yes. Yes. And I saw her on tour, on her book tour when she stopped in New York. Um, oh, New York I stops. did not know that. Yes. Okay. So she had two New York stops and the one I went to with my friend Sarah was her in conversation with the moderator was Sarah Jessica Parker. And it was, I'm a big Sex in the City fan and I like, love SJP. So it was just this weird moment of like, my pop culture loves with Michelle, who's one of my just ultimate women that I admire. She's like in that trifecta and just dropped so many gems. I, I feel like my thing with Michelle Obama that I really like is that she, she kind of has that Oprah quality where she strikes this balance of being incredibly impressive and inspiring, but also relatable. Like it's really hard to, be someone who is so great but also can like speak to you in a way that feels almost like you're a peer and mm-hmm. it's just one of the many reasons that I really admire her and really really loved this book I'm really jealous that you saw her on her book tour but I'm glad you mentioned that piece of, around relatability because I felt the exact same way like even though she's literally <laughs> the first lady. Um, This felt like out of all the books that I've read and probably ever in nonfiction world memoirs, this was probably one of the most relatable and heartwarming books. And um, I really felt like I was sitting at her quote kitchen table, which is something that she mentions in this book. And she lovingly calls that's like her circle of trusted friends and mentors. Um, I just felt like I was just sitting across the kitchen table from her, listening and learning. Um, And it's just what an honor for us to be in the same sphere and be alive with one of, I think, one of the greatest leaders and navigators. Um, And if I think of anyone to lean on during the times that we're in, I'm going to always think of Michelle Obama. Yeah, I actually was like very emotional reading this book. I definitely cried a few times. And I think, oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I I, I can't even pinpoint exactly why or or what it did. It was just, I felt seen and it it just, yeah. It just felt like 
That's exactly (laughs) what I was thinking. I was trying to process like, why am I crying? And it was for that exact reason. I was like, I'd never felt so seen in the the things she described. And we can actually start jumping into some of those things now. But (laughs) that's wild that you had the like such a similar reading experience. Because same thing for me, I was like, I'm crying, but not sad tears. It just like really touched me in like a good mm-hmm. way. And I was like, why? Like, what is it? And I was like, yeah, I feel seen by someone who is so big and like, you know, like, but she's like, can see us. I am. Yeah, it was great. I just felt like her, her heart was on every single page that mm-hmm. we read and that choked me up frequently. Yeah. Um, and I just like, I guess let's just like, I'm going to rip the bandaid. I recommend this book. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. you can't tell already, this I give this so many gold stars. I I mean, like, I don't think anybody would be surprised that we would recommend this book. I just felt like not in a long time. I just did not want her to stop writing. Like, I just didn't want the book to end. I just wanted mm-hmm. her to keep going and, like, give me more comfort and give me more tools and just pick her brain and her heart. And I'm just, you know, and – um, I want like a part three where her mom can like write her book, even though she refuses to write one. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think this is such a good book for our podcast, too. And like what we talk about in piloting, you know, risk takers, trying something new. A lot of the book is it talks about overcoming in difficult times. But a lot of the difficult times aren't always like external factors like a pandemic or a death, although she does mention that those things happen. A lot of that uncertainty she talks about is being different, being bold, being someone whose like differentness um, stands out and kind of owning those things that make you different. And, and a lot of people, when they think about piloting, it's it, at least for you and me, Melissa, and, and speaking for myself, especially, it's about making the decision sometimes to pivot away from what everyone else is doing and what's expected and kind of making that different choice. And a lot of the book is about tools to kind of navigate being comfortable in that differentness and owning it and not letting it slow you down or hold you back. Yeah. And I'll just add to, um, you know, with the books that we've read, and I think you're the one who mentioned this before of like, as we continue to, to have, to, to pick books for the book club, like, and we think about ourselves in our own piloting journey, why not pick the brain of the people we believe have chosen a different path or who have, mm-hmm. we know have pivoted careers or had to adapt in a lot of change and be, be you know, writing the roller coaster of life. I mean, eight years in the White House, you know what I mean? And so, um, and just how she's been able to stay balanced and confident in her decisions and confident in the fears that she's faced with every decision that she's had to make and um, and continuing to move forward during those times. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can't pick a better book to relate to anyone on their piloting journey, um, including ourselves. Okay, well, let's jump into it. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, I guess what were some things that really jumped out at you um, in reading this mm. that either stood out as key tools or just things you really want to dig into? We've talked a lot about fear, and I think a lot of the books that we've read touched on it. 
I know we touched on it with Marie Forleo as well, Jason Derulo, <laughs> um, and Michelle's take on fear, I think is a chapter that really stood out for me. And that was in the beginning of the book. Um, and I, I believe my highlighter died because of how often I just kept underlining things. Um, and so I just like really appreciated her, her take on it. Um, and ultimately some of the stuff was around things that we've heard before of like not to avoid the fear and learning how to process fear, learning how to decode fear um, and learning how to attempt to sort and filter what's an actual emergency versus what she calls a manufactured one. Um, and so yeah, fear. I think if we start with the fear section, uh, I could talk about this one for two hours, but we're not. But I could, <laughs> but we're not. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that she describes it as learning to live comfortably with fear. It, you know, it really breaks down this notion that the people that you see who are doing big, bold things are fearless and braver than you and just have this reservoir of courage that you know, regular people don't have access to. It's like, no, we're all regular, you know, like we're all human beings, regardless of what we've achieved externally. Um, but that it's that ability to live with fear and to do things despite and alongside it, I think is very reassuring to anyone who feels overwhelmed. It's like, everyone feels overwhelmed too. You're not alone. That's part of the journey it's you know I think she says like in the introduction like being different like conditions you towards cautiousness even as it demands that you be bold and I liked that because the very things that like push you to want to be different and to pilot something new are also going to terrify you a little bit and that is just part of the process yeah I, I really liked that section I liked how she like personified fear she called it like she she attributed it to a she like I am in a committed relationship with fear and she takes up real estate in my mind um, and so there's no way to avoid her or pretend that she doesn't even exist so mm. instead of avoiding it getting to know your feel fearful mind a bit better and she talks about like when um Barack Obama came to her and was like, hey, I'm thinking about running for presidency. And she had to decode that fear and understand what it was about that that made her uncomfortable. I mean, obviously, she ended up making that decision and being like, yes, let's go for it. Um, and for her, it was just change and uh, too much change at one time. So I, I liked that personification of it because you're right everyone has fears and there's it's just no way to avoid it it's just going to creep up and and show up whenever and wherever it wants to and it's basically number one job is to make you be in this like autopilot state of mind mm -hmm. um and so if we let it if we become too fully comfortable with it and let it win that's the end result that we get we sort of get this like sameness and I like how she framed the the why we should be scared of that like why would we why we should be scared of 
the sameness because with sameness comes not wanting and not accepting things that are different. And so we can mean that when we talk about people and then we can just mean that with things. And the more that we are closed off to differentness because we're just repeatedly going to sameness and mistaking that for safety, it really just closes a lot of doors and it like limits us. Um, And so imagining all the things that we're saying, potentially saying no to because we're like in the sea of sameness. Right. Um, So I loved how she kind of like compared it to that. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I think you're right. It's the like fear, like closes off, closes us off to the things that we say no to. But I think also like when I'm operating from a place of fear, I'm also closed off to other opportunities that could Mm -hmm. come from outside of myself. You know, I'm not showing my best, brightest ideas, my most sparkly, shining energy, like my light isn't at its brightest. And so if I'm operating in fear, not only am I holding myself back because I'm afraid to step out of my boundaries, but people might look at me and say, oh, she doesn't look like she's equipped to step out. So I'll also withhold offering things to her, you know? And so I think Mm -hmm. it does become this Sometimes I think without meaning to or like without realizing it, like your fear becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I'm afraid I'm not good enough, so I'm not going to put myself out there or I don't want to stretch myself. And then as a result, those opportunities don't come to me. And I'm like, see, I didn't get to the top. I really wasn't good enough. And that's not true. Like you without meaning to might have held yourself back. And and I, I say that with kindness because I know I've definitely done it and I'm not you know, pointing fingers. It's something that none of us are really immune to, but it happens sometimes that when we, you know, it's like when you're learning how to drive, like you hesitate, you miss that window where you can like go out into the intersection. You're like, damn, I missed my moment. Um, So sometimes you do have to just Mm. move, um, you know, carefully, obviously, (laughs) but you do have to have like that action, um, even if it is a little scary. That is true. I like that driving metaphor because it is those hesitant drivers, including myself at times, same that girl. are really unsafe. <laughs> that are really unsafe. <laughs> like when you're trying to merge lanes, you're like, "Homeboy, just like go up to seventy five, get in front of me, and all is well." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you think speaking- you're doing, yeah, but <laughs> this quote um, stood out to me too, and I think it speaks to what you were saying earlier, and that's. In trying to spare yourself the worry and discomfort of taking a risk, you're costing yourself an opportunity. In clinging to what you know, you are making your world small. You are robbing yourself of chances to grow. And that idea of making your world small, um, I kind of referred it to like also the visualization of like seeing yourself harden. And I've talked about that a lot sometimes as well of like staying soft It's like also like staying soft, like making your world – because the world is big. There are so many, you know, things to experience and people to meet and perspectives to understand. And when we cling to what we know, we're making our world small. And that just sounds awful. (laughs) That sounds awful to me. Yeah. And I I think big and small are obviously very subjective for sure. But 
I agree. I think, I think looking towards leaning into having a bigger life, it doesn't have to mean like on a grand stage, you know, being the biggest rock star or like the top CEO before. It doesn't have to be that kind of big. It can just be big in the sense of I'm open, I'm expansive, I am, you know, I'm not closed off. Like I think big can mean different things. And so even if you're not someone who, you know, feels like, oh, I want to be on this grand global stage, I still think like leaning into the bigness of life is beautiful regardless of what you want your life to look like. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Um, anything else around fear or is there another part? Well, there's so many parts of this book that stood out to us. I, I know. God, I know. So good. <laughs> We're trying to edit ourselves. <laughs> um, well, I think well, you and I are friends and you mentioned earlier, um, like kind of assembling your kitchen table. Um, I liked her chapter on friendships and really celebrating the support network you have around you. She's also like Michelle Obama is really good about acknowledging that when you see people who have it all together, there is usually a pyramid of unsung heroes and people behind the scenes that create that put togetherness that you see that looks so polished and perfect on social media. It's like, no, those people have people. Um, And I like the way she describes friendships. I think she says strong friendships are most often the result of strong intentions. Like your table needs to be deliberately built, deliberately populated and deliberately tended to. And I like that. I like that idea that, yeah, there are going to be times where you just kind of fall in with people and it's like, oh, I just kind of became friends with you for no reason. But especially as you're going through big life changes or trying something new or something new has happened to you, whether you chose it or not, um, being really intentional about the people you have around you so that it's a really like rock solid foundation when you need when you need to phone a friend. I'm so glad you mentioned that quote. That was one of my favorites as well. Um, and we, we've talked about this before with Living Longer and, how, oh gosh, what's that book? The Blue, the Blue Zones? Zones? The Blue yeah, Zones. Girl. And she doesn't mention the Blue Zones in this book, but she mentioned, mentioned something very similar to that, which is research shows that you are likely to live longer and with less stress if you have strong social ties. Um, and even anytime we avoid a small, like real life connection or like a micro connection, a quick conversation at the coffee shop or, um, you know, staring at our phones or doing something like that versus engaging in real life that can, that can, um, make us avoid possibilities of things happening, of connections being made. Mm -hmm. And I just love just how determined, both her and Barack are with keeping up with those relationships that they have, not just their, their chosen family and then their family as well. And like, yeah, who doesn't, who, who wants to live life alone? Um, And I loved the part where she mentions like no one person, no one relationship will fulfill your every need. And so this idea of just in like ensuring you're deliberate with those choices. You're intentional about the people that you seek and the and the expectations that you sort of set for that relationship and friendship. Um, 
I really liked just that as well. And man, if I could be, if I could be at Michelle Obama's kitchen table one day. Oh my God, I'd never leave. That's what we're going to manifest. (laughs) That's what we're going to manifest. Yeah. I also, I appreciate that she has that reminder about making sure that you're kitchen table I know we keep like running with this metaphor that she uses but like making sure that it always stays open and that there's always a seat for someone new because you know we all go through different periods of our lives where there might be moments where like I'm in crisis or I I need a friend and that one best friend is also going through something or just can't show up at a hundred percent because we all have our own lives and have our own stuff going on. And so she just really hammers home the importance of making sure that you have multiple people and she doesn't put a number on that. You know, you figure out what that looks like for you. If it's three core people, if it's 50 and also just never like always adding new people. Like I remember a couple of years ago, it was really trendy on social media to be like no new friends. And oh, yeah, she, like Michelle Obama is very anti that idea. And I am too, because people grow apart. People come in and out of your life in different degrees of intimacy over time. That if, if I lock in and say, I'm 25, I don't need anyone new. I've got my core people from high school and college. If mm-hmm. those people start to taper off or those relationships change, like, how am I refilling that cup? You know, like you should always like be open to new connections. And, you know, she's really good too about like friendships up and down the age bracket. She has friends who are a lot older than her, a lot younger than her. Like you get different things from different people. And I really just like that because I I know it is like, and that's probably something we can talk about on another episode, just like making friends as an adult. I know that's, that's a challenge Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, you know, especially with all the technology we have, but it is so important to just keep that space open for new people to come into your life um, in really beautiful ways. I was going to mention that piece of, you know, she compares the age group that her daughters are in right now to where she's at, which is 50? 50 60s. Is she 60? I think so, yeah. What? Um, I thought she was in her 50s. Um, I could be but anyway, wrong, but so I, I, I want to say sixties. <laughs> we'll we'll fact check. Um, <laughs> but her 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 daughters are, I think, in their like mid twenties or early twenties, and just the influx of like friendships that they're able to gain just because of where they are in their life, and it gets so much harder as life goes on. Um, And, you know, I've definitely – it takes effort. It takes a lot of energy to put yourself out there. And what I like about what she said with sort of like taking her guard down or putting her guard down, because she was able to do that with the books that she's written, she didn't realize how many people would then – like ripple effect would then put their guards down because she did. Mm. And – if we all were able to do that, this it, it would just naturally and organically happen where we're just more comfortable with one another and we're more comfortable to be ourselves and show up with our full selves and um, just how that would make a world, the world a better place to sound really cheesy about it. Yeah, no, but I, I think sometimes 
I like cheesy things. I think I think cheesy sometimes is just a synonym for sincere, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, I, I sentimental. Think, yeah, and I, I I believe that like even if it is really earnest, it does make the world a better place. I, I like that she shared, for example, um, that woman on her staff who she was close with who had withheld for years that her father was like formally mm. incarcerated, and I think they were working together for over five years before this woman felt comfortable disclosing this part of her story because she just had so much um, anxiety that people would view her differently. They would question her success and like belonging and how once she got comfortable doing that and realized that it didn't change how people viewed her. In fact, it just opened up so many other people who said, oh, wow, I've gone through something similar. I also know what it's like to navigate that system and, you know, carry the multitude of emotions I won't even attempt to name all of them <laughs> or you know that just isn't hasn't been my experience I don't want to mislabel anything but yeah just sometimes when you share those vulnerable bits that you think are the things that are going to alienate you are actually the the things that people can grab onto and say whoa like this is something we have closer um, something that we have in common she actually says in another chapter and I really like how how she describes empathy. She says, Mm. all I can do is draw closer to your uniqueness to feel linked by the small overlaps between us. And (laughs) like, it's like making me want to cry right now just reading it. (laughs) But it is true. It's like, we might not have the same experiences with people and we might be hesitant to reveal the things that like make us feel so different. But like that small overlap of maybe I don't have a father who was incarcerated, but maybe I have my own difficult relationships with family or Mm -hmm. my own thing that feels really small. But in that Venn diagram of our lives, it's like a touch point that's vaguely similar and that like sparks closeness. And it it's just it's just nice to hear like that encouragement to like continue opening yourself up to. To, to new people it it's emotional because at the end of the day it's what we all want we all want connection mm-hmm. we all crave connection there are things built in this modern world to bridge connection but instead it just sometimes deteriorates it and like I'm a broken record here but we harden and we feel like in order to protect ourselves and to protect our peace we build all of these walls and and barriers. Um, And I definitely have had my fair share of thinking like, no, I don't want to like open myself up to being disappointed or, you know, disencouraged to have certain, certain relationships again with friendships or, or, or whatnot, or getting too close to the people I work with. But ultimately when I think about it, it's, it's, it's actually not what I want. I do want that. I do crave that connection and that understanding that we all are in the shared experience of being humans. Mm. And there's, um, and she mentions this and I'm not going to of course say it as eloquently as she does, but we're, we're all in the shared experience. We're all alone in our feelings, but we're also not alone And the more that we can, I don't know, understand that about one another and what you mentioned about empathy and, and show up for one another, just, it just eases the experience 
and the hardship that we all are having in different ways and in same ways of being human and mm-hmm. the aches that come with our humanness. Um, and there is a lack of human, for some reason, there is a lack of humanness that that is apparent in this world today um, with social media, with media, with even our relationships with work. Like there is just this like lack of connectedness and this level of humanness that I don't know how to necessarily like grasp at at the moment. But I think I got so emotional reading this book because she just touched on it. And I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's the feeling. Mm -hmm. That's the feeling I think that has been amplified because of so many things happening in the last, let's just say five years, but ultimately like a lot of the years. Yeah. (laughs) The pandemic did not help with that disconnect. Um, And so, yeah, I'm on my own personal journey of, getting back to feeling connected to other people and also like just feeling connected to myself. And cause strangely enough, like the pandemic just like shifted a lot of perspectives and, and more than the, beyond the pandemic, but definitely amplified some of those feelings. Um, and she just like, I don't know. She just gets it. Like there's just something about her heart and her perspective that feel so honest and good (laughs) that I'm like where like her light is just so bright I think that's just what it is and I'm glad she gets to like share it and I'm like okay now I need to find my light and like turn it back on and like dial it up (laughs) yeah and I, I I think I think that was really well said what you what you just said and it's nice too that not only is her light bright and she just like shines it but she's so invested in helping other people shine their lights too because you know like she could very easily be someone who's like look I'm clearly amazing (laughs) let me just have this spotlight for myself and and I just get such an unselfishness from her Mm -hmm. um and I think what you mentioned too about like the lack of humanness and just figuring out, you know, like how we operate in the workspace and all of that. I think, I think there was a chapter about that. That was one of the ones that like really just like kept emotionally <laughs> rocking me. I was just like crying nonstop. <laughs> um, because yeah, it just, I think she, I think she has a really, in the book, she has that space where she can see herself but also not let her view of herself cloud her ability to see other people. Like I feel Mm. myself getting choked up and I'm going to control it. But one of the parts that like really, like really touched me is when she talked about her early career in corporate law and how she was like, Mm -hmm. it was really grueling. It was really tough. And I saw like these corporate lawyer women who were older than me just grinding it out they never took breaks to go to like recitals or anything they never talked about their personal lives they were just so strict and like I and she's like I just looked at them and was like I don't don't think I want to make the sacrifices they're making and I think many of us in the workspace can like look at a manager or look at someone higher up in your organization and say I don't want that like (laughs) that just looks awful and write it off and 
one of the things that I really loved about how she viewed those women is she said, but the fact that I got to see any of it, God, to be there at all, and that I felt some freedom to choose how I wanted to proceed with my own life, and she obviously chose to leave corporate law, it was largely due to the work that Babe put in. And it's just like, even though she is like going through this space of, I don't want that job, like this just seems like too much. She's still able to have that empathy and say, but you know what? Those women are doing the work so that people like me have the freedom to choose to opt out. Mm. And I just, I think that's just speaks to like a character that I just like want to have that just like pure unselfishness of like, I can take my own frustrations out to the side and recognize that even though I don't want the life you have, it is serving me and I respect it. And I see that sacrifice that you've done for people like me. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like so many of us when we're going through hard times at work, it may, I don't know, it made me feel like, I don't know, maybe what I'm doing is paving the way for someone after me, as someone who's also been an only, a first, a one of the few, and that's not mm-hmm. always been really easy. I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe even if I don't see, maybe if no one comes up to me and says, hey, thank you for going above and beyond. Thank you for putting in the extra hours and like putting that edge on your excellence, that it is going to benefit someone someday, even if you don't hear it directly. And I think that just like really touched me because there's so many people doing that work and we don't remember to say thank you and but we're reaping the benefits of it you know like she says people today can like have body piercings and wear natural hair and it's because women before you who were black straightened their hair with chemicals and showed up as mm-hmm. top performers that it allowed people to open that crack that door open more or to like have tattoos and piercings and You know, it's like people, I think we're just so quick to get to the end result that we forget sometimes to acknowledge that other people are doing that work that give us the freedom to complain. And I, I just loved that. It's there. I'm like maybe 2% of what she brings to the table, man. (laughs) I'm like, wow, I could definitely change the way that I view some things as well and uh, I mean we need people like Michelle (laughs) Um, and I'm glad you mentioned that that story of just the way that she's able to take something and not just be the center of it Mm -hmm. and and that's that's hard to do right because how does she, how does she do that? How is she able to gain this sort of like perspective? And I, she said this very early on in the book and it's, it immediately stood out to me. She says, if you are a younger person reading this, I'm going to put myself in the bank of that. Of course you are. Please, rem- <laughs> <laughs> Please remember to be patient with yourself. You are at the beginning of a long and interesting journey, one that will not always be comfortable. You'll spend years gathering data about who you are and how you operate, and only slowly will you find your way toward more more certainty and a stronger sense of self. Only gradually will you begin to discover 
and use your light. And man, now I'm getting choked up because my immediate thought when you shared that story is like, wow, that's not my immediate thought. You know, I have definitely been in situations where, and we can both relate and empathize with the only and the first and being the only minority working in a company and and navigating that and my responses and my feelings were not as patient and as respectful as hers. And instead of being like, wow, you just suck, Melissa. (laughs) I read back on the quote that she shared, which is your gate, you're gathering data and you're just trying to figure out how to build that stronger sense of self. And so it makes me, it just, makes it okay, right, to mess up. And Uh she talks about that all the time. And she talks about how her mom and how her mom's perspective has trickled down to her perspective. And this idea of just the less judgmental and just the fact that, like, at home you're liked You're never going to have to worry about that. And just like the gladness that you need to like bring and the light that you need to bring in order for others to shine. And I'm getting choked up now because just that and just the power that we have to like shape someone's experience or change someone's experience is really powerful. And She even, I mean, she, there's like a whole part where she's like, you know, are you like me where sometimes you're still silently um, fighting with people who have done you wrong? And I'm like, yeah, girl, still do that to this day. And like, (laughs) she acknowledges it. She acknowledges it. And she doesn't, she doesn't, um, what is that? What am I trying to say? She doesn't say, oh no, you're not having that experience. She's able to say, you are 100% having that experience. I have had this experience, but now with my experience and my years of experience, I am now able to look at it from a different point of view. And it just makes me really hopeful for that. You know what I mean? Like it just makes me hopeful that you're right. Like uh, keep going, (laughs) keep moving forward, keep carrying on. And eventually you're going to see the, the benefits of what you've been able to do in certain places and don't let those people that have tried to dim your light, like they're not, (laughs) don't give them that power. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Like she does create space for you to feel what you need to feel and she's not dismissive of like well that's so childish of you to feel that's a great word for it dismissive yeah it's like she creates that space and it's like yeah of course you're going to be frustrated like the whole I think my highlighter died in the going high chapter (laughs) every because it's like one of the things she's known for when they go low we go high Mm -hmm. and every line that she describes what it means to go high as someone who is like the things she has faced on a public stage that kind of I remember it when it happened in real time and just thinking this is so ugly what -hmm. people are doing (laughs) to this woman um and you just forget that she's a person she's not a public she's not just a public figure she's a human being um and just being able to like go high 
take the beat to not just react. I'm a reactor, but take a moment Me too. and respond. <laughs> I'm like trying to get there. <laughs> but like, it's just, and she mentions too, like having a thick skin and like how to channel your disappointment and your anger into something that's useful so that it moves things forward and isn't just mm-hmm. like hot air that's just adding to the noise. It's like, you're allowed to feel angry and you're allowed to be upset, but like, what are we going to do with that? Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that really, I mean, everything stood with me in this book. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> but something that like, again, just like, felt really seen to hear her say this she says sometimes going high might mean that you have to operate inside of certain margins even if the margins themselves are a provocation and you may need to climb partway up a grand staircase so that you can be better seen and heard when addressing the ballroom crowd it's this idea that like we get it not everyone is gonna like quit their job and be an activist not everyone's gonna like break the system like some of us do have to take our time and kind of stay within these things even if like those margins are the things that are like causing you pain but like you have responsibilities you have bills to pay you can't just leave a job because you had a bad experience sometimes like Mm. maybe that's not available to you or you can't just move the way that you want to even if your spirit is saying that something isn't working and just having someone say I see that but sometimes that patience to like be in that discomfort is like is what's going to give you the platform and the space to really have your voice heard like discomfort is a teacher and like you're gonna Mm -hmm. it's just it's just nice to hear someone again acknowledge like we we talk about piloting but again like if we could all just quit our jobs and start something when we wanted to, this podcast wouldn't need to exist. We would all be doing it, you know? (laughs) But it's like, there are real world things you have to think about that slow you down sometimes for like very valid, like rational reasons. And it's just, it's just great to hear someone. And this is, I think probably why I love people older because they just have that, that maturity that comes with time sometimes. Like I don't think any number of self-help books are going to necessarily get you there better or faster than just time lived experience, like being alive. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just, yeah, I was like, oof. It's like how many of us have been there where you've been like in those things that are causing you and provoking you, but you're like, I can't move. But like, this is part of the problem. Uh, it's just nice to have someone recognize that. <laughs> I'm yeah, and I'm I loved the quote about discomfort as a teacher and she talks a lot about what we can learn about ourselves when we're pushed. Yeah. And I mean, I was thinking about this in my yoga class, which is very interesting that right after very serendipitous, right? Like after I read this part of the book about being pushed and how she has this um, annual get together with her girlfriends and they boot camp mm-hmm. and they have like three workout classes and she's like, I just love like sweating with people. I just love being there with my friends getting pushed. And I was in my yoga class and we were doing these like hardcore chair stuff and I just like was shaking like my legs were shaking and the instructor was just like she even said something very aligned with what I just read in this book where it's like I know 
this is challenging. Push through because if it doesn't challenge you, right, it won't change you. Mm. And I was just like, oh my God, if I'm like, okay, if I could just hold on for like 20 more seconds. And she's like, I know you're the instructor. She was like, I know you're probably thinking really bad things of me right now. It's okay. You can. Like <laughs> saying like how much we probably hate her. Um, <laughs> and I just loved that Michelle mentioned that like, we figure out each more every single time, the more we're pushed and seeing that as an opportunity of learning versus like seeing that as an opportunity of like, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? I don't need this. Like these challenges are too much and I don't want to be a part of it anymore. And just that mindset mindset shift of seeing it more as like a growth opportunity. Um, and I'm not quite on the, you know, on the spectrum. I'm not quite on the like dial of Michelle Obama and seeing those things and, uh, you know, but I think I'm really looking forward to that, you know, in the rest of my 30s and 40s and 50s, 60s and beyond of, I don't know, just having that perspective of being okay of being pushed and not seeing it as this like, the world is against me. Mm -hmm. Everyone is like against me and that feeling that I'm sure we all feel when we, we just feel so freaking pushed and like yeah. aggravated and agitated. Yeah. I like pushing myself. Uh, I feel like we've talked about this on this podcast. Like I like that. I What I need to be better about is bringing that same enthusiasm when I am pushed, not by choice. Ooh. <laughs> like, okay, really I was going to ask you, like, what do you mean by like, I like – pushing myself like I like 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 you mean like physical exercise or just sometimes yeah like for me I meditate best when I'm doing Pilates I think when I just Mm. because I'm in my head a lot that like when I can get out of my head and just into my body like if I'm swimming when I'm in the ocean also great meditation space where I'm just focused on like treading water and just moving like I like pushing myself in that way um I'm also like I know, like, I don't know, I like New Year's resolutions aren't cool anymore. Like, but when I talk to my friends who enjoy goal setting, like I'm someone who's like, I like to set goals with the knowledge that I will not hit all of those goals. Like I, I'm comfortable with like not hitting all of them because that means that I'm stretching myself for big things. Like I don't want to set my Apple Watch goals for something that like I know I can do every single day because that's not challenging. But I have friends who are like, no, it really like, discourages me if I can't hit the goals if I don't meet it it like throws me off you know like I want to be able to hit everything I don't like I would rather set big things because it's like oh if I get 30% of this list done that's awesome because I know I put some like big things on here so that that's kind of like like what I mean I I love that no but I really do (laughs) I really do love the way that you see that, right? Like you see it as an opportunity and you don't see it as a discouragement. Um, I'm not sure where I sit on that scale. Um, I'm really bad at setting like those like uh, like New Year's resolution goals. Mm. I used to like doing it by month um, because that felt just more like – sustainable to me instead of like these lofty year goals I'm like okay if I can just accomplish these three things in September um, yeah. like that type of that type of thing so maybe I kind of err on the side of like liking the feeling of accomplishment um but anyway 
Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I think I think shorter term goals are better because like sometimes New Year's resolutions, it's like for me, it's a lot of procrastination. Like I'll wait till November and be like, oh God. <laughs> well, wow, so I like to do it November. on a quarter. A qu- I know a quarterly basis is nice. Like three months <laughs> is a good a good window. Um, I know we can talk about this book forever, but um, are, do know. you have any final thoughts or any last things that surprised you or like a final mm. quote you want to share or anything? I think the one thing that one last thing, even though there's probably 20 more I can come up with, but I think the thing that last thing I want to share on the podcast is around the theme of agility and adaptability. And she talks a lot about this throughout the whole book. Um, So it's not just like one dedicated chapter. And so you're just going to have to read the book guys. (laughs) Okay. Um, Totally recommend it. But she said, this is probably one of my favorite ones. If you want to break barriers and knock down walls, you'll need to find and protect your own boundaries watching over your time, your energy, your health, and your spirit as you go. (sighs) I highlighted that also. So I love that you are sharing that as your final thing. (laughs) That's my final thing. In my note-taking, it's like in all caps. And it's not just the agility and adaptability. Like it's not just within your individualistic self. But I loved how she just like spread it across like all of the things, like mm-hmm. all of the quadrants of our lives. And one in particular was around relationships and her relationship with her partner and just the ability to play offense and defense at the same time. And things are not 50-50 and, and just being agile in that way. Um, and she mentioned something about just the way that she has had to adapt over time and specifically one example she said was the almost like the baggage and like the history and the traditions that your partner brings to your relationship like that you have to adapt to um so that that was just like one thing that that stuck in my mind after reading this and I'm like I have never viewed it in that sort of way like I've viewed adaptability and agility and like being at work can be like being agile at work and all that stuff. But I'm learning AI. I didn't really, <laughs> yeah. I didn't really like rewrite the script there about the agility that you need to have, the adaptability you need to have with the people in your lives. Like, mm-hmm. like duh. Um, yeah. So that I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there because I can keep talking. What about you, Renee? Um. <laughs> Well, I completely agree with you. I highlighted, underlined, put stars in that <laughs> quote in the book for me to love all the stuff about her relationship with Barack. I admire their relationship <sighs> a lot. Oh my God. I think the last quote I want to leave on is similar to yours, actually. It's a very similar sentiment. And she says it in the first chapter of the book. When you want to make a difference, when you want to change the world, your mental health will sometimes get in the way. And it's just, it's kind of similar to your quote in that it's a reminder that if you have big dreams, if you have big goals, if you're piloting something new, you're trying to be different, it is going to feel like a lot. And sometimes that can take its toll on your mental health. And it's just a reminder that you're not broken or nothing's wrong with you, that you're, you know, feeling this way about taking on these big 
obstacles or like goals that you've set for yourself, but also to be mindful that it can take a toll on your mental health that will get in the way. And so how can I keep an eye on that? Is it working with an external party, like a religious counselor, a therapist? Is it just, you know, tapping into my friends? Is it figuring out like, you know, other strategies that center me? Um, Like for her, it's knitting. Like for me, I think it's dance and just like getting into my body some more. But just like that reassurance that like, it is not unusual that your mental health might get in the way of like wanting to change the world. That's okay. But now that you know that, like, what are we going to do about it so that you stay okay <laughs> in that journey? Yeah. 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 And then the, the small thing, like the quote, small things that you're able to do and small mm-hmm. victories matter and they accumulate, um, made me feel good too. And I'm like, I do need to do more things that bring me those like small joys, the small rearrangements. Mm -hmm. I think she mentions that like untangle the bigger knots. Yeah. Um, The just because is, you know, like I'm Mm -hmm. just, I'm knitting just because I'm doing this just because it doesn't necessarily have to like be this lofty, obnoxious. Here's the giant sweater project. Yeah. Um. I know I said I was going to stop, but I just feel like, okay, I, there's one thing left I just want to mention because it just ties this whole conversation up. And I think the book of the title, I mean, the book of the title, the title of the book, The Light We Carry. And I, this, she also said this in the beginning of the book, which is if you know your light, you know yourself, mm-hmm. you know your own story in an honest way. Um, I'm going to paraphrase because <laughs> – trying to keep it short, this type of knowledge builds confidence, which in turn breeds calmness and an ability to maintain perspective, which leads finally to being able to connect meaningfully with others. And this to me is the bedrock of all things. Um, that just like sticks with me really, really hard of just, I think as we're on this journey, as we're and very it's experiencing and untangling so many parts of life, just keeping that bright light ahead and, and seeing someone else's light, loving someone else's light, accepting someone else's light, and also mirroring that to yourself um, will increase all of our confidence levels, increases our, our calmness and just the ability to show up empathetically and then maintaining perspective and just being able to connect with one another. Cause I think when we find connection, we'll find purpose and we'll eventually have to sunset this podcast because no one will need it anymore because we're all perfect. <laughs> we're all uh, purposeful. We've all found our purpose is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like just the juxtaposition she has with people's souls people's beings and the light that we carry. Ah. Yeah. It's all about the light. I, I loved this. I, um, it's a tough act to follow for our, I know, right. We both cried. I know. (laughs) While reading and Uh. while recapping on the podcast. Um, but it's big shoes to fill for our next book club. For real. I can't believe we shelved this for Jason. It's getting, (laughs) I still it's, see it's, value in Jason's book. No, everything. 
serendipitous. I trust, I do trust the timing. This was my manifestation like a couple weeks ago, I think, trusting the process. And I think that for me anyway, this book came at a really like pivotal time of just, yeah, my own piloting journey. So trust the timing. Yeah. No, this was this was amazing. Obviously, I don't. We can sing its praises for another hour, but um, <laughs> I guess it we was could... like a <laughs> good ahead. deep breath. It was a good deep breath book. Like <sighs> I just feel like I have to take one. Yeah, a nice <laughs> exhale. Do you want to do a joint one? Oh yeah. Okay. Breathe in. <sighs> Let it go. <laughs> um, that felt good. Uh, moving on to our gold stars. Uh, what are, what's your gold star this week? Al? Mine is related to the deep breath we just took and the yoga classes I talked about that I took oh. earlier. Um, and I'm giving it, it's a class pass. Yeah. So, um, it, because of the, I suppose, nomadic life uh, that we lead with moving to multiple places. Class pass has been so critical to help me like keep up with my wellness. Um, and so like this week alone, like I booked a handful of yoga classes. I'm going to take my first bar class, never taken a bar class before. Ooh, where? Like I'm, a pure bar or um, something? They have some pure bars here, but there's like a local bar studio okay, cool. that was right across the street from the yoga studio. And with this book that, you know, for Michelle to like open up yourself to like having conversations with strangers, I did that after class and uh, she told me about the bar class and I was like, well, there you go. Um, And then eventually I'm going to take like a kickboxing class. So yeah, shout out to ClassPass. I love it too because in the months that I did not utilize it, it carried over credits and it's not just fitness, like wellness 360. So you can use it for facials. You can use it for massages. Um, I'm like running up on my credits. And so I'm going to actually use some for a massage on Thursday. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. That's awesome. And I th- were you probably were the one who told me about ClassPass. So I'm a ClassPass girly still. That's where I get all my like <laughs> Well, not all my Pilates classes, but it's where I get a lot of like fun workouts. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Your gold star. Um, my gold star is early Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales. So I've noticed this has been mm-hmm. happening over the past few years, but I've particularly this year, several brands that I really love and that I like buy their stuff year round anyway have been announcing some early Black Friday sales, like earlier in November, I actually bought some stuff today. And I like it. I think cramming all of this shopping into like a five day window is really intense. It's like, it's a lot probably on like the companies to fulfill that bulk of orders. It's also like, for me as a customer, it's nice to be able to space out some purchases over like two different like credit card statements, different like pay cycles. You know what (laughs) I mean? It's not just one paycheck that has to pay for all of the holiday shopping and all the stuff I want to get for myself. So shout out, like some of the brands that I love, my Fond Bone Broth, which I've mentioned on this podcast before, they had an early sale, swept up some Mm -hmm. broth today. Tatcha, which is one of my holy grail, like moisturizer beauty products. They had a early 25% off sale for the very products I wanted anyway so like there are a couple um a couple brands are like 
giving you that same high level discount, the 25, the 30%, whatever, earlier in November. And it's just, it's a little easier on my budget to kind of space it out. So shout out to them. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. I've though I've been following one in particular. I I have to be very good about my budget because of just the situation I'm in. So um, I can't necessarily go too wild on these sales, but Calpac, the yes. luggage bag, they are having one right now. They're having like 14 days of early Black Friday deals. And every day, every like 24 hours, they renew the sale for to highlight like four new items. So I'm waiting on like a couple things because they're just a couple things I, I'm, I have my eye on that I've budgeted for. Um, but they have like luggages. Um, they have like a duffel bag that I use as my personal item um, for most airlines, except probably like Spirit and Frontier, you know, anyway, but it can fit under your seat nice. and it's the, the Luca duffel bag Ooh. and that is actually on sale right now. And I think will be when we release it tomorrow, if you're listening to it early in the morning. Um, and it's like 20% off and it's like the best bag. I love it. Ooh. Um, yeah. I, so I have I'm glad bought- you mentioned that. I haven't bought anything from Calpac, but like I've been eyeing their toiletry bags actually. So I should. I have one. We can talk about it off the pod. Yeah. My feedback. Yes, please. (laughs) Give me like a real user review. (laughs) Basically, my feedback is like, yes, for the size, get it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you have room in your luggage. As someone who has a lot of toiletries, (laughs) size is important. I did see them. So yes, I'd recommend it for you. The large, Renee. Of course, I was only looking at the large, girl. I mentioned a new beauty product every week on here. The large is the only way to go. What are you manifesting for this week? Okay. This week, I am manifesting let the presence or like let your presence be the projection. And I got this from a video. um, It was on Vanity Fair. I'll link it in the show notes. Jude Law was doing a video breaking down his career of like all of his like highlight Mm. movies over the years. And he was talking about advice from an acting coach he received. He said, you know, I was working with this acting coach and you see a lot of actors who really want to overact and just like show you like how good of an actor they are. And his coach was saying to like take the opposite approach. She was like, You just have to do the work and you don't need to show everyone how hard you're working. Just let your presence be the projection. You don't have to project that to everybody. And I just thought that that really translated outside of acting. Like you don't have to show everyone all the work you're doing. Just let my presence, the way I show up, like let that speak for itself. Like let your presence be the projection. And I just, I really liked that. You mean don't be the person at work who's like, I'm busy. I'm so busy. <laughs> I don't mean, listen, sometimes you are so busy. So like, I, I get it. But um, yeah, just like let let your actions and like your presence speak for itself. I, yeah. Well, yeah, Jude, Jude Law's presence speaks for himself. Oh my God, so. he's so attractive. <laughs> I can't wait until <laughs> – I mean, yes, that too. I was talking about his talent, Renee. Okay. No, I was kidding. I was not talking about his talent. Um, he is in a lot of my holiday- favorite movies though. Like, <laughs> honestly, like he's one of my favorite actors. Uh, he 
He's great. I did we talk about? I think we talked about this off the pod. I know we're like <laughs> so over time, but um, someone made me a, a mix CD. It might have been you. It might have been another mutual friends of ours. But they literally wrote the brand new song Jude Lana Semester title, Abroad. <laughs> yes, on the CD. And like I could literally like see the mix CD right now with like Jude Law because of like how obsessed we were with him. Um, Maybe it was FYI. <laughs> it was probably you. Um, but fun fact: the holiday, the movie with Jude Law, um, and Jack Black and Cameron Diaz um, and Kate Winslet is on Hulu ugh, right now. Can't wait! So give me four weeks I'm, and. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I wasn't feeling the the holiday vibes. Like, I'm like a week before Thanksgiving type of gal myself. I just want like a couple more, week, more weeks of like fall. But um, I kind of want to watch the movie now, to be honest. But, okay. Lean no, in. Trying to wrap things up. Uh, no, lean into it. Um, I'll help you wrap it up. What What's your manifestation <laughs> this week? Um, I completely forgot where I got this from. It honestly could have been from Michelle Obama. It could have been from Instagram, as we all know. It's where I get everything. <laughs> They're basically the same. <laughs> but it's honor where you are. Mm. Honestly, it might have been from a yoga class, from a yoga instructor. But it's honor where you are. And I like that. Uh, it's just this like sentiment of being okay with something in the moment and like being okay with where you are and honoring that and being thankful and grateful for that and not necessarily like having to see 10 steps ahead at all times or five steps ahead and just like wherever you are in life is okay honor that and yeah it's just a good one I think it was now that I'm thinking about it and think it was in a yoga class they're all it's everything's merging together at this point well, I like your yoga class. I also liked what your teacher said earlier about, um, like, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. <laughs> Stay close to those yoga teachers. They're I they're dropping know. gems. <laughs> so many. And then the one today, you were talking about, like, letting letting things go, like, that deep inhale, that deep breath. That was literally a the theme of today's class, was come into class and think about what things you need to let go of. And we had to repeat that exercise, like, several times. And I, like, yeah. I love that. Yoga is another That's like meditation things, for me. I like like a guided. I like how they take you on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Renee, for creating the safe space. Thank <laughs> you. Being part of the safe space for us to like share and be vulnerable in today's episode. Um, I'm like, thank you to Michelle's light. And for anyone, for everyone who brings such light to the world, um, it really um, – messages really matter. And, I mean, she says that in the book. And so to any person who has just known that and carried that – carried like a, you know, that empathetic sentiment across, like, just know that the world needs it. And I'm going to be working on my light and carrying my light better. Um yeah great book i don't know how we're gonna i don't know how we're gonna do a book after this one yeah and i would just i would add to your sentiment um if you're if you're in a place in your life where you just feel like your light has been a little dim for a while like that's not permanent it's not a forever Mm -hmm. state and it's okay to work 
to work through it. That light will shine again. And we're rooting for you. We have a lot of love for you. All right. Well, another deep breath as we (laughs) go on to the week. Um, Really appreciate everyone who's listening. Thank you for us. uh, Thank you for letting us blab a little bit longer than we usually do. Um, I think this one's worth it, though. Michelle's worth it. You're worth it. Thanks, everyone. And enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Bye.